Welcome to the Lessons for Leaders podcast. This week I'm joined by Andrew Digwood. Andrew is a partner at Rollitz in York and also the chair of North York and North Yorkshire Chamber of Commerce. We talk about all things embracing the change in business and well-being during COVID-19. Some of the highlights of the episode are about why it's good to get off the hamster wheel, a heartening story of how business has survived the crisis in being able to develop an idea and how we need to be willing to explore and implement new ideas and also as business leaders how we need to think about adapting the well-being plans of our staff. It's a slightly longer than normal episode but stay with it and listen out near the end for the powerful tool that can unlock conversations. Enjoy. So welcome back. You know that each week I bring you lessons, learnings, tips and advice to enable you to lead with ease in your business without the stress, doubt and overwhelm so that we increase your performance, your well-being, so that you're resilient and you thrive in life. Now before I dive into today's really fantastic episode, I just want to remind you that This can be a really stressful time for people and I know there's lots of you struggling with the um, working from home and the uncertainty and change around COVID-19 and recently I've been working with a number of organisations to deliver virtual training on stress management, resilience, work-life balance, setting effective boundaries. So if you want that for your leaders, either in one-to-one coaching or for your workforce as a a group session or even individually, contact me to discuss the needs of your organisation or go over to my website at uh, www.emmalankton.com where you can book direct into my diary for a complimentary discussion about what your needs are. I recently completed a piece of training for a law company and what they said was they liked that the training that I did was being led by the people attending which enabled them to get more out of it rather than being it just sticking to some sort of script. So it was on work-life balance but I ask people what is their biggest struggle and they have the opportunity to ask questions so that it makes it really tailored to everybody that's there. And you can have that too. So if you'd like to talk about it, do get in touch. And then I'm not going to waste any more time. We're going to dive straight into this wonderful interview. I love, I love the conversations with Andrew. So I hope you really enjoy this episode too. So Andrew, welcome to the Lessons for Leaders podcast. I'm really pleased to have you here. Hi, Emma. Yeah, it's really good to be here with you today. Thank you. So um, we met, didn't we, at networking when we were allowed out? (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Long time ago, it feels like. It does feel like a long time ago. Um, And it was interesting because we didn't didn't talk about anything to do with either of our businesses or anything that we did, which I think is a good thing. And that's what networking is all about. But I asked you on the podcast today because we've been... um, Featured, I suppose, might be a word, 
but with the with certainly with the local press when they've been asking people about different representations of covid experiences and things and if i'm really honest that's where i realized that you had several different hats um including the one being the president of the of the north and york north yorkshire chamber of commerce um but I thought it'd be interesting to get you on today to talk about the different aspects that are affecting businesses um, during the COVID situation. Um, so do you want to just explain a little bit about the different hats that you're wearing and, and where your um, knowledge or expertise comes in? Sure, yeah, no, thanks. Thanks for that opportunity, Emma. Uh, so as you, as you mentioned, I am the current president of the York North Yorkshire Chamber of Commerce, which is a business representative organization um, looking after our members uh, not only in the city of york but in north yorkshire as well uh, it's part of the western north yorkshire combined chamber which includes so it's us plus leeds plus bradford chambers um, and that then feeds into the british chambers of commerce network um, which makes a lot of you've probably seen in the news and heard them on the radio they make representations into central government uh, on behalf of member businesses across the country so that's that's a bit about the, the chamber is about but obviously on a more day-to-day week-to-week basis it's about putting on events to help members network and to provide information to help them in their businesses and that sort of thing has been uh, going on virtually during the lockdown as well. Um, and, and all the member support services that the Chamber provides obviously are still uh, there as well in the background. So it's been an interesting experience being Chamber President during this uh, COVID lockdown. I think probably uh, un unlike anything we could have expected. Um, now, alongside that, my day job, if you like, is that I'm a, a dispute resolution lawyer for Rollitz, which is a law firm with offices in York and Hull. And obviously, I'm based in York. Um, so that job involves trying to help clients resolve disputes, uh, predominantly of a commercial nature. Um, and, and really, my, my background and my particular interest within that field is intellectual property disputes. So that's trademarks copyright patents that that sort of thing that's that's the background i came from when i came to york and to rollitz 15 years ago um and i've kept that as quite a major uh, string to my bow if you like amongst the other more general commercial disputes that i handle uh, at the moment and it's with that hat on that i've taken a particular interest in some of the discussions going on around what might be the opportunities for York's economy to rebalance as it comes out of the COVID uh, crisis uh, and the economic shock of the COVID crisis. A lot of people are starting to look at, at diversifying York's economy, not away from tourism and hospitality so much because those are always going to be really important parts of our our economy in York and North Yorkshire, but towards more uh, innovation-led, high technology, high productivity sectors, which slightly under the radar, we have some fantastic uh, businesses in, in York and in our region working in those fields. They're, they're not as well known as the, the, the tourism and leisure sector, perhaps, but they are really, in some cases, quite world-beating 
Do you know, and it's interesting you say that because um, I think a lot of my listeners will know that I ran an event in February that I think I just managed to sneak it in there before um, COVID hit. And in the publication of everything around that, that event, um, I discovered loads and loads of different businesses that I didn't even know existed. And I mean, although this podcast goes out nationally um, across the UK, and I do have listeners elsewhere from the UK, but a lot are UK. Um, and although my event was, was York-based, I had people travelling across the UK for it, which um, blew me away, to be honest. But there was several um, local sort of York, North Yorkshire, that a sort of Northern M62 corridor, I suppose I call it, really, that, that you're talking about that the Chamber of Commerce covers. And the, the, the businesses there that were kind of getting in touch with me and finding out about the event, and I mean, not everybody could make it, but um, it was really, really fascinating, actually, for me to find out all these other different areas. Um, so you're right. Um, and intellectual property, as we are staying online, um, with kind of all sorts of stuff being out there for everybody's eyes and ears, it's going to be it's going to be absolutely huge, isn't it? Fascinating area. It, it, yeah, absolutely. Well, it it's something I first got into obviously when I was a trainee solicitor back in the early two thousands or end of the nineties, and at that time it was all about the the original dot com bubble, yeah, if you like, um, and cities like Cambridge we're at the absolute leading edge of, of that. Um, and, and a lot of really exciting tech companies, obviously spinning out of the university of Cambridge and, and basing themselves around there. And, uh, you know, obviously you've referred to the M62 corridor. There's also that very well-known M4 corridor that, <laughs> that is, is famous for the sort of sometimes called Britain's Silicon Valley, I think. Um, and, and I think that York, and North Yorkshire particularly have an opportunity at the moment to York itself is a very knowledge based city. If you think about it, it's got two universities. It's mm -hmm. got a very good, very active FE college. It's got a specialist um, agricultural college in Aston Bryan. Yeah. Um, and then just outside the city, you've got the Ferra uh, food uh, environment research agency campus doing quite exciting things there as well. So, it, it, York itself has this fantastic knowledge base and I've just written an article on our own Rollitz website about this actually but th there's this real opportunity for York as a knowledge city to carve itself out a niche I think um, in in this high-tech sector at the moment. Yeah yeah and that's really interesting because businesses are having to Evolve, I suppose. Really, I said, there's been a big, there's been a lot of talk about um, about a pivot, um, mm. and I'm not sure that some of it's all entirely um, some great big about turn for everybody, but certainly evolving. I was always coaching online on the one to one coaching, and then I was um, providing kind of webinars, um, pre-recorded webinars for companies that would stay on their internal sort of intranet for a certain amount of time to meet a particular need around, usually around the well-being um, and leadership aspect of things. Um, but the mind sort of evolved, I suppose, into doing much more of online uh, webinars and training and specific things to help different companies. Um, 
and some other legal companies as well, interestingly, because of the remote working and how that affects people and the connectivity that people need. So I would say my business has evolved. But what, what else have you seen about um, businesses sort of finding these opportunities to either continue or, you know, to be sustainable in the, in the different mm. climate that we've got right now? Yeah. Well, I, I can immediately think of a couple of examples which are not, we've talked a bit about tech and, and high tech and that sort of thing, but I'll, I'll give you a couple of examples that, that are other than that, actually. So in, in our own business as a law firm, um, we always joke that people have talked for years about the move towards an increasingly paperless office and lawyers, unfortunately, are um, very much wedded, I think, to the uh, the paper files sometimes for good reasons because it's you never know when you might need that hard copy document and obviously some things like wills um, rely on original hard copy documents being preserved but there is a sense that you know I think lawyers as a profession do tend to to cling to our paper files as a bit of a, a comfort blanket some people call it um, I'm not sure if that's unfair or not uh, but what this this crisis and this um, this greater impetus, well, almost a mandatory impetus really to have people work from home as taught us is, you know, I, I think we're going to have to, we were already looking at uh, a program of uh, enhancing our um, technology that we use in the firm and, and, and our practice management and so on. But I think as part of this, I'm not saying we'll go to a paperless office. I think we need to be realistic, but I think we need to find ways to get a lot more of our documents available on online from the start so that you're not then having to react and respond to a, a business interruption like this by getting things scanned on to the system in an ad hoc way but actually having those documents quickly available quickly searchable through the technology on online that that's something that we've had to accelerate and thinking about how we deal with our own clients as well uh, when you can't meet them face to face and yeah. you and i are talking on zoom now and you know I look at my diary and it's now full of, whereas it would have had meetings peppered throughout the week, it's now got Zoom calls and Skype calls peppered throughout the week. So yeah. but the other example I was thinking of recently, which came from a conversation that I had with a, a, a guy who has a business just outside York that we happened to visit, um, that they've traditionally been, a, I, I won't name, name names in case he'd rather I didn't, but they, they've been a sort of a cafe come sort of gardens you can walk around a bit of a farm shop type setup um and and they reopened recently as, as a garden center selling items for people yeah. um in a plant nursery uh and i said to him you know so how, how have things been there you must be glad to be to be able to be getting open again and he said well do you know we've been meaning to do this sort of plant nursery side for for ages uh, and actually being forced to shut down. He said that the support from the government has obviously been invaluable, the financial support and has kept them kept them going and kept them ticking over. But he said that, that being forced to sort of step back from it a bit and just have a bit more time to think has enabled us to really plan how we're going to get this nursery side of the business up and running and to get things in the ground and, and so on. He said, and now with garden centres being able to reopen, we're, we're actually opening with that as our that's putting our foot forward with, with that really and, and leading with that. Um, and I, I found that quite a heartening story really, because they are a small sort of family business and it was good to see how the crisis, 
you know, that they, they, they seem to be surviving the crisis thanks to the the help and support that's been made available, which which is good. Yeah. But but it's also brought forward and given them the the, the mental capacity and bandwidth to focus on a plan that they'd sort of had on the back burner, but just hadn't had time to to build and develop because they're busy running a business as we all are on a day-to-day basis. Um, so he was, he was really upbeat about it, really. I'd, I'd been, you know, you, you would have thought typically that they were a very small family business that they might have been at, at risk and, and really suffering. But he was, he was surprisingly upbeat about it, which was good. And that's, yeah, and that's brilliant. That's exactly what we, you know, what we want to be hearing, really, isn't mm-hmm. it, for, for our businesses. Um, and that, where you said about, um, you know, he got the opportunity to kind of step back and be able to think about things. That's, mm-hmm. obviously, that's one of the big things that I, I work with people on because we can end up just being, I hate this term, but people talk about that hamster wheel that we just keep doing mm-hmm. kind of almost keep doing what we've always always done um, because we don't have time to, to, to take that time out to reflect and do things differently. I've been talking to a lot of different companies about this, these these different ways of working and the different things that they're seeing. There's a lot of people, there's a lot of companies that are talking either about opening up more opportunity for flexible working I've been talking to companies at one company in London that was saying they're kind of they're not really even going to bother with an office at all. They're going to put in some regular get togethers, but that this what they're thinking right now is that they'll even just hire the space as you know on a regular basis to get people together regularly, but they mm. won't um kind of put you know put down roots and sign up leases to to regular office spaces because this this step back has given them the ability to take that time to reflect again like you say with the with the kind of garden center and, and planting mm-hmm. and it's i find it fascinating mm-hmm. that people have these things that they want to do and things that they want to think about and and we in an ordinary working day or week or lifestyle would just don't have that ability to create the space to step back and think about doing mm-hmm. things differently really um i mean do you think there's something there that you see either across some of the chamber businesses or across you know like some legal businesses where leaders could do something a bit different to um facilitate that i think um it, i mean i this isn't anything novel really and people people have have already been saying this for for a few weeks now in this crisis but i think the businesses that will come out of this best are the ones that are led by people willing to embrace the changes necessary to uh to adapt to that new world that you've just talked about emma with the um you know the, the switch to different ways of doing business um I, I think a willingness to embrace change and probably a willingness to uh, we, we've, been, we've all been talking for a long time haven't we about getting your most engaged colleagues and, and employees to to, to to think to think like business owners that's something people say yeah. quite a lot and I think we have to be willing to embrace change that's driven I don't want to say from from the bottom up but from you know to, to listen to our staff and listen to to what their ideas might be about about how to 
uh, adapt and drive business forward in this new paradigm. Because let's face it, we've all, nobody's got magic bullets in this situation. We've all encountered this as a completely unprecedented set of circumstances. So neither, neither I nor any other manager or, or leader is sitting here with a, a, a ready-made playbook as to how to get our businesses out of this so you know we need to be open to new ideas willing to explore them uh, and implement them where we think that they can help us sort of power out of this i heard a very good comment last week from somebody who said um said i i don't like keep hearing this phrase about recovery and, and getting back to business because really we ought to be aspiring to do something better than, than, than recovering to where we were before. Uh, and, and this lady who, who, who said this, she, she used the phrase building back better. And I, yeah. that really struck a, struck a chord with me um, as, as, a, as a nice summary of, of perhaps what we all ought to be aspiring for in our businesses. My goodness, they, I love that. We, we mm. absolutely do because... Um, I won't take credit for that, Emma. That wasn't my... No. I didn't coin that. <laughs> That's a shame. Um, yeah. <laughs> we, people keep talking about, you know, getting, you know, getting back to normal and then people mm -hmm. are going, the new normal. And, you know, and I kind of go, well, what's normal for anybody anyway? Um, mm. Often. It's not good. Everything's not just going to sort of switch back on or, or reopen. Um, it's going to take um, time. So companies are going to have to do this adaptation um mm -hmm. which is what i talk about anyway in showing the kind of resilience thing um and being able to just to do that sort of change in the business but bring back better is a i like that mm -hmm. phrase. um I, I think you make an interesting point about the you know it's all very well to talk in all these positive terms about sort of uh leading change and all that sort of thing but let's not forget that as you say a lot of people have been really struggling um, in, in, in dealing with all the different pressures of this uh, of this lockdown and trying to trying to be a good business leader or a good colleague as well as a good parent slash home teacher slash everything else um, and it has presented a lot of challenges and I do wonder whether you know that old military maxim about um, no plan ever survives first contact with the enemy and I do wonder about how many businesses employee well-being and resilience strategies that everybody was getting so into in the last couple of years have actually withstood and borne out and been adhered to during this crisis when you've got people furloughed you've got people working from home all over the place you know all these things these strategies were nice to, to build and talk about and to enshrine when everybody's working in an office environment where you can yeah. readily see all your colleagues and get them together. But I just wonder how many of those strategies really, if you think about it, will have survived the test of these circumstances and, and whether that's something else that as business leaders, we need to think about adapting and pivoting and um, everything else as we, as we move forward into a new, a new world. Absolutely, and those because of, because a lot of my uh, my work is around well being, um, 
although I do the one-to-one -one coaching with leaders, which can cover a range of, of, of different things that are kind of all usually around some level of performance. But the uh, conversations that I'm having right now with an awful lot of people are about um, the, the stress levels, the resilience, the, um, the how people work from home. Um, although I've been terming it work at home um, mm -hmm. because the work from home as it used to be you know, was that people knew that they were going to be doing this and they got themselves set up with a particular area and a desk and the right chair and the screen. Mm. I had a conversation earlier today with somebody that said, so we needed to let all the staff know that they're not going back till at least September. And this, I, I, I had to try not to laugh, but I, I didn't manage it really. She said, so that the staff knew that they could no longer continue to work off the ironing board. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, innovative. Uh, yeah. getting yeah. it at the right height and things like that i get that yeah. but that was a new one on me um and i like no, i hadn't even thought about that use of it i quite like that yeah. that might be a new use for our ironing board <laughs> exactly i mean i like the innovative aspect and the adaptability you know and all of that stuff that we those keywords that we've talked about but yes um you know that's not a that's not a kind of sustainable way going forward is it really but yeah. so there's all the different the different ways that we're working managing but we've i've just had a conversation where they are very aware that they need to look at how do they continue the connectivity how do they do um the the remote kind of support how do they make sure that they're checking in without um being on top of somebody all of the time mm. so you're giving them the autonomy to to get through their workload but you're also at the same time balancing the kind of duty of care of making sure that they're all right and mm. how do we do all of that so those are those are conversations that are coming through much more now which obviously i'm i'm quite delighted about because i can wax lyrical about this for ages um mm. but it's and that's where it's quite positive that people are recognising that, but also concerning that there are there are going to be companies out there and there are going to be teams out there that are not getting it and that, yeah. that are just going to be kind of left uh, sort of struggling in, in some shape yeah. or form. So there's that overarching what we're doing in the leadership of the business and how do we use these opportunities that we've got for the better but also how do we also make sure that we look after mm. the workforce to bring them along with them in that way as well. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's very difficult. I mean, we've tried at, at Rollitz, you know, without giving any secrets away, I think, yeah, we, we, we've, we've tried various approaches with kind of setting up Zoom calls for, for teams and things, which are okay up to a point, but actually, I think people have probably more appreciated more kind of one-to-one -one conversations with, and what, one of the conversations we've had quite a bit is that what you don't realise unless you really think about it is that everybody is undergoing their own pressures of one sort or another from this, this environment. And it's easy to get too lost in your own echo chamber and think, well, my difficulties or my challenges are X, Y, and Z and then overlook the fact that somebody with quite an opposite setup at home for whatever reason has their own has difficulties of their own with it you know so for example 
somebody with a house full of children and pets and family and everything might might find it difficult working at home in in one way but then you've got the person who who lives on their own who have found the whole lockdown thing quite lonely potentially yeah and i think it's, it for, for me what what seems to have worked best for people is where they've found either where we as a firm have directed people together or they've just found people themselves within their group of colleagues who have a more similar experience in life and they can talk as peers and say, you know, God, this is, and, and realize that, that they're not on their own, I suppose, in that's, feeling that way. Absolutely. That's, you know, that is so true. That is one of the things that I say to people such a lot when I'm, I, regardless, but when I'm working with them is that, you know, there's not just you that feels like this. Mm. When the, the kind of core of a lot of my um, business is about, that people are usually I'm talking about performance because people do look at their performance first mm. I think before they look oh their team's performance before they kind of look at what's underlying causing the problem with the performance but mm. then what I say to people is I've been in business for nearly 10 years and um, some of the core stuff that I'm working with is stress anxiety and and you know work-life balance boundaries yeah. and those other aspects of well-being so if I've managed to make a successful business for almost 10 years out of that, mm. there's got to be more than just you <laughs> that feels like this. Mm. You know, yeah. um, I've had all of these people come through my business. So, and actually knowing what I usually say to people is when they, when they know it's not just me, mm. that's hugely comforting, hugely mm. for them. Just... Um, a few weeks ago, um, I had an inquiry for somebody to work one-to-one -one with me. And um, even just from the inquiry bit, when I then spoke to them um, for the actual, for their first appointment, and I said, right, so, you know, you said that there was this, this and this, how are things now? Um, and she said, from that phone call, um, things just seemed a lot better because you said, I know what you mean, you're not on your own, or, or words to that effect. She mm. said, and that just brought down a whole load of anxiety and angst about things. Because we do, and because then we're at home and in this bubble, if you like, and we've lost some of that connectivity, and we're not mm. going, I feel like this, or I'm struggling with that, and mm. having somebody else go, oh, yeah, I get that as well. Yeah. You don't so always necessarily want no. a fix. No. So for, for that reason, I, I don't think that the, uh, the sense of the... The office and the workplace as a place to gather together and work together will disappear or should disappear entirely because you, you miss out on a whole load of collaborative opportunity I think that that way as good as these technologies are Emma, you know I think yeah. there's no substitute for being able to sit down with people I mean we it's not all that long ago that we as a law firm moved from having individual offices for lawyers or you know, two or three lawyers in an office um, to, to a fully open plan setup. And certainly we found that, that the open plan setup in both of our offices has delivered all the sort of benefits that they tell you it will in terms of collaboration and sharing ideas and being aware of what other colleagues are working on and saying, oh, I hear you're doing some work for this and that client. Did you know that last year I helped them do such and such a thing? And it's just that kind of information flow just works really well. Uh, uh, but having said that, and talking about balances, 
I think open plan creates its own set of pressures and stresses that aren't that widely talked about or acknowledged yeah. just by virtue of being constantly in a, a goldfish bowl of your colleagues and peers all the time. Yeah. Um, and, and I think some degree of working from home is the perfect antidote to it, actually, looking longer term and assuming we all get our children back to school and college and everything else. I think, I think some element of being able to come and work from home in your, in your comfortable environment, in a bit of peace and quiet, is actually the perfect counterbalance to those open, open plan office environments. And both have their particular strengths in terms of unlocking productivity for people, I think. Absolutely. And, um, and also um, protecting mental health on one yeah. of my other um, episodes. I had um, Jodie Hill on who campaigns lots about uh, mental health in the workplace and to having that ability to be flexible, I think, not just, uh, you know, as we started at the beginning, we were talking about businesses as a whole, but the, mm. um, the, the flexible aspect of the, the people that you have and the staff that you have um, is is absolutely is absolutely crucial and that's one of the good things i think about covid is that it's, it's helping businesses to recognize that they can kind of trust people to get on with the job and work from home they mm -hmm. can trust them to either start early or or work late or whatever it is and they that's almost been i don't want to say fast but it kind of is fast on mm -hmm. people to have to recognize and that flexibility of both how you how we structure a business and how we um, how we can expect our workforce to work is is going to be is going to be tremendous. Just on not just on productivity, but on on mental well being. If people will put that trust in there, and and also though I think leaders need to demonstrate that they will do it too. Mm. No, that's right. That's right. I think I. You're absolutely right. And, and the, 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 the default tendency, I think, that we've seen is not that people who are working at home swing the lead and don't do their work. It's that, if anything, the, the concern should be that their work is bleeding into their home life a bit too much. Um, and it's, as you said, it's the people who are working at night after the kids have gone to bed. And, and that, you know, if they're busy, that's, that's in, one, in one sense great. They're getting their work done in a way that suits their lifestyle. But, but from a, from a management and a, and a well-being point of view that that's perhaps what we need to take care of and be careful of as much as or more than are there anybody who's swinging the lead not doing their work actually are, are there people who are working in a way that could be detrimental to their mental or physical well-being it's yeah. not a question of a punch a punch card making sure when they clock in and out it's it's you know, is the way that they're doing this actually good for them and good for the business? Because people who are people who are frazzled and who are only getting to do their work at eleven o'clock at night are not going to do their best job, are they? No, no, absolutely not. So it's that again. It's that it's that adaptability and being able to make the changes that are for the good of everybody, but also about making sure that they're doing the duty care and sort of safeguarding how people work and sort of when they work and mm -hmm. have we connected with them and are we checking in on them it's 
there's yeah there's lots and lots of discussions that, that i'm that i'm having right now and some of it will mean changing people's ideas and expectations of what a working week looks like and that's both from leaders and from from people in the workforce as well mm -hmm. absolutely right brilliant well mm -hmm. i think we've put the world to right so that's absolutely fantastic <laughs> everybody yeah. just goes away and does all that they'll be fine um <laughs> I've missed having those sort of conversations over a coffee or a glass of wine or beer or something though, Emma. That's the, that's the problem with this, this environment, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. There are times when I've, um, when even I've actually having conversations, you know, with my, uh, with my kids, cause we're all together, you know, and teenagers and there's niggles and stuff. Mm -hmm. So same as you get, you know, in a workplace, I suppose, niggles and different personalities and things. And I was out with my, one of my daughters and you know dad had been getting on her nerves and um, the other the other team was getting on her nerves and I said yeah but you know people are people it's I say this all mm. the time people are just people um, and we're all a bit different you know I said uh, so you know your, your sister will do that and I know that gets on your nerves and but she's quite good at that and, da, da, da. I said, and then I went except for me you know that I'm just perfect because <laughs> just to ease because she was getting a bit tense about it all so that it wasn't quite going how she wanted it to so mm. i needed to ease off the situation um but but we can have these discussions i think and sometimes we only connect um mm. in a workplace to do the worky stuff and that's yeah. one of the things that you know i've been saying to people is just to do try and make sure that you're still doing you know those um you know like chats over coffee are the, yeah. the kitchen type chats you know that you, when you nip to the kitchen to get a coffee and you have a good you know put the world yeah. right type um conversations because those are just as important actually yeah. as the strategic ones because those yeah. are about the connectivity and helping us all know we're not alone and feel a bit better about things really yeah well, so, we, we've always uh, rollets for as long as i've been there we've always had um a, a, a couple of days a week where we have an 11 o'clock morning coffee it's called and it's you know I, I came from a very large sort of international law firm background where it was all about sort of um, you know being at your desk as long as possible every single day and, and you know this culture of presenteeism and the idea that you have a, a break some days for an 11 o'clock morning coffee was just it was a different world but a bit like the open plan office point the conversations that that can facilitate once you've got past the initial did you see such and such on the telly last night type yeah. of chat the conversations it can facilitate about um people what work people are doing for different clients and just sharing a bit of intelligence in the workplace you know those uh, and i'm going back you know i've been with Rollitz for 15 years but i think they've always had this as a, a as an institution within the firm um and it's just such a powerful tool to unlock those conversations about just that wider sense of what what people are hearing in, in the business community from different clients and sometimes an opportunity to put two clients together might arise you know and yeah you, you can't yeah. beat it you can't no. beat it. and a lot of people that i have conversations with you know when i say well i've spoken to another company and they're doing this so you know that'd be quite mm. interesting for you and so sometimes i do get people that come back to me not necessarily to work with me unfortunately mm. but to 
um, kind of almost pick my brains because I've got this overarching view about what different companies are doing and what's happening in different places. Mm. And that's really important. It's important for just, for like you say, it used to be what we had over coffee or a, you know, or a pint or a glass of wine somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. It's still important to try and make it happen. It is, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So if people do want to get in touch with you to, um, you know, have a cup of coffee and uh, chew the fat or whatever the phrase is, where can they get hold of you? Uh, well, you can uh, find me on Twitter for a start. I'm at Andrew Digwood one which I think is a sign that at some point I set myself up an account and then forgot the password, but I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> so I'm at Andrew Digwood one on Twitter. I'm on LinkedIn, obviously Andrew Digwood on LinkedIn. It's an unusual name. I think there's only one of me on there. Um, or, or you can drop me a, a, an email at rollitz, andrew.digwood at rollitz.com. Whether that's a, a Rollitz specific inquiry or something about the chamber um, or, or otherwise I'd be happy to, to answer. That's fantastic. So I will put all the um, links in the show notes for everybody. I want to thank you again for taking the time to come on. We yeah. did both it without um, interruptions, which I think is a win. Um, so we well did. done us both um, <laughs> and the families. And um, yeah, I'll see you again soon, hopefully, when yeah. we're allowed out. Indeed, we can uh, we can have another uh, another chat and a drink at the Biltmore soon. I hope. <laughs> Definitely, I'll, I'll be looking forward to it. Thanks for joining Thanks, me, Emma. Andrew. Take care. Wow, well, that was a longer chat than I expected, but such good information there. I hope you enjoyed listening to me and Andrew chat as much as I enjoyed taking part in that. And as ever. If you enjoyed this, please do go and leave a review. It helps other people to find it. Tell your friends, share this episode if it's helpful and let me know what you think about having interviews on the podcast. I am planning about one a month because this podcast is for you as a listener. So do let me know what you think. You can email me emma at emmalankton.com with some feedback about the podcast or to get in touch about anything else, any questions and conversations that you want to have. So until next time, stay safe, have a good week. Bye for now.